You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. I'm here today to continue on where I left off last week and today's message I've called is Why Solomon? Question mark. Israel's most successful king. If you remember last week, we saw that out of the 43 kings of Israel, uh, in all its guises, this guy was the most successful. Why? And how can you and I learn and apply this in our lives? So I pray today, Jesus, that your word would be living and would be a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. As we go through 2021, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now we're here to feed our souls. This is our daily bread, if you will. Just as we eat food every day to stay alive, if the Christian does not take on spiritual food, we get sick. Don't get sick during lockdown. Would anyone say amen? amen? Don't get sick. Don't starve yourself. Fill yourself with movies but not fill yourself with God's word. So we're going to look at this today and I'm going to um, look at 1 Kings chapter 4. I want to read the portion of scripture, see where we came from last week and then see what we can learn and what we can apply for our lives this week. So I'm going to dive straight in if that's okay with you and just look at this man Solomon. So we see from scripture 1 Kings chapter 4. Please read all the chapter if you want to get the full impact of this. I'm going to bounce around different verses just to highlight the main portion of the scripture. If you're of a very sensitive nature, a very legalistic nature, throw all the stones you want, I don't care. Um, Feed yourself at home. Don't give out to me that I'm not putting up the whole chapter. We'd be here for hours. Read the chapter at home. Here are highlighted verses for the point we were making today. We are told that Solomon ruled as king all over all Israel. He organized the territory of what he ruled into 12 districts. Each of these districts supplied the provisions and supplies for one month in the year. The population was as numerous as the sand on the shore. And the Israelites ate, they drank, and they were happy. Solomon ruled over all the area, we're told, from the Euphrates River to Lebanon, and over to Egypt. During during Solomon's lifetime, all Israel lived in safety, each man under his own vine and fig tree. And God gave Solomon great wisdom, insight, and understanding. So here we see something about King Solomon. Now, What has that got to do with your life and my life and today? And how can we apply it? Just remember last week, um, the title of my message was, How Far Can You Go? 
And we looked and we saw that when Moses gathered the children of Israel with this big huge blockage in front of them, aka the River Jordan, Moses planted a seed in their hearts to say, I want you to go over and possess the land. We, to me it's a bit like the virus situation. We'll get through this and we'll get over into the promised land, if you will, to use that analogy. But Moses shared with them the word of God about the parameters of where they could go, the boundaries. And he laid out the geography of the promised land and he said to them in uh, chapter 1 and verse 7, I want you to go even as far as the great river Euphrates. And when we looked at that last time, and here's a map, I don't know how much you can see of it, but we saw that the river Euphrates, here it is, is in modern day Iraq. And that green area there, roughly around the state of Israel today, that's where the other 42 kings basically ruled. But Solomon, alone among the 43, controlled this beige cream area all the ways over to Iraq. So this one guy actually inherited his full destiny. He was able to go to the very boundaries of what God promised the people of Israel. And my question was, and is today, why of the 43 was he the only one who was able to do this? Well, I'm going to look at that right now. And I'm not going to keep anyone waiting any longer. The context, of course, was it wasn't just that the guy was a physical ruler. It's that the quality of the life of the people over whom he was king was so improved. For example, 1 Kings 4.24 tells us that all, all over Solomon's kingdom, there was peace on every side. In your life, that would suggest there's peace in your relationships. There's peace with your career. There's even peace with your health. There's peace with your um, family. There's peace with your ministry, even peace in your finances. That's what it means. Whether it was north, south, east or west, there was peace. There wasn't hassle. So you go to work and you don't have hassle. You go home to your partner, to your kids, and you don't have hassle. That, that's what it means. And that's the context. And I love the romantic, maybe that's the wrong word, the real evocative imagery from verse 25 of chapter 4 when it brings it down to the nitty-gritty detail of the average Joe who lived in the state of Israel then. And we're told during Solomon's reign, all Israel lived in safety, each man under his own vine and fig tree. What an evocative image. And, and, and this verse packs so much. It tells us of a prosperity within the nation. It tells us that there was safety, there was peace. There wasn't, remember, we're during a lockdown now and we think it's pretty rough. But for most of humanity, your ancestors, my ancestors, people lived through terrible wars through famine, through natural disasters, through constant plagues. This has been humanity's inheritance, through corrupt governments and so on. But during Solomon's reign, there was none of that. And it went down to the local 
man or woman on the street. They had their own fig tree and vine. There was a prosperity there. They lived in safety. There was peace. People enjoyed a quality of life. And that's what we see when we see about Solomon going to the Euphrates. It means so much. It's so evocative. And finally, on this bit, it really tells us about the quality of life because we're told the Israelites ate, drank, and were happy. Again, if you're of a sensitive nature and you're going, oh, they were all gluttons and drunkards. No, they weren't. That's not what it's saying. This is a euphemism. It's a way of expressing a quality of life. They were enjoying their lives. And I am here today to say, is it possible for us as Christians, even during this lockdown, to enjoy the life God has given us and to really see how we can have our dreams and our visions, if they fit in with God's will, really come to pass in our lives? Yes, is my answer. So what does Solomon do? Here's a couple of things I think we can take on board and see why Solomon was so successful. First of all, he was organised. You might go, well, I'm not the organised type. You know what? I'm not even going to pray that you get organised. Because you don't need prayer to be organised. If you're not organised, buy a wall chart and get a marker and map your week out uh, for the week ahead. It's not that difficult. It's really cheap. It's really low tech. Or if you have a bit of tech, which I assume most of us have today, put reminders on your phone. Just set your face to be organised, even if it is not your nature. Solomon was organised, and this is one of the reasons why he was successful. We're told, as we had read, he had 12 districts, and each supplied provisions for one month of the year. This was so clever and so organised. So Solomon divided the area into 12 districts, and the provisions and supplies is the, is the tax. VAT, income tax, is what we have today. But this was the tax. And it's very interesting because this reveals a lot. You did it for just one month of the year. So if you were in district, let's say you were in the Negev in the south, and your, your area would have been, um, your month would have been, let's say, April. So the way Solomon organised it is, remember there was a huge... Uh, diversity in climate. So if you were up in the north in Galilee, it's a much more fertile climate. Your crops and harvests were a different month of the year to the people down south in by Beersheba in the Negev. And so Solomon was organised enough and clever enough so that he made sure that the different areas that produce different crops or goods, they would pay their tax for one month of the year at a different time. This was really clever, and this was very organized. And as a twin brother or sister to that is the next reason Solomon was successful. He was creative. Now you don't often consider someone who's creative and someone who's organized in the same breath. Maybe you're one or the other. Can I suggest and submit to you that you and I can be both? We can set our face to it. Why was Solomon creative? Let me read you what you might think is a very boring verse. Michael loves this verse. He reads it every day. No, he doesn't. Here's a verse that, me included, everyone will just skim over. For example, in verse 13 of 1 Kings 4, we read, this is a sample verse. 
Ben Geber ruled the district of Ramoth Gilead as well as the district of Argob. Hallelujah! Amen! <laughs> Amen! I mean, you, you just read and you go, Ben Geber ruled the district of Ramoth Gilead as well as the district of Argob. I've read the scripture many times and they're the kind of verses I kind of skim over. But hidden within this is something very, very interesting. You see, you know, I'm sure, that there were how many tribes basically in Israel? Twelve! And when we read that Solomon had 12 districts, if we don't think about it, we go, okay, Solomon had the 12 tribal areas. No, he did not. Solomon kept the integrity of each tribe. He didn't take away people's tribal identity. He didn't uproot anyone. But what he did do was he shifted just for the purposes of tax collection. Here's where he thought outside the box. He didn't slavishly stick to the tribal border. He, because the way they conquered the land of Israel is they conquered an area that was a geographical entity and some of them then got a bit of the area next door. So a valley beyond the mountain range, an area over across that river. And what Solomon did was he just put all of the districts, each within their own um, natural area, geographical area. And so the harvest that would come from that area would have been harvested at the same time, even though the neighbouring tribe would have been a lot higher up and so have a different harvest. And so Solomon thought outside the box. He was organised, but he was also creative. Can I submit to you? Can I challenge you? That you can be creative and you can be or um, organized. It's, it's intentional. And, and what, do you have to have a special gift to be creative? No, you don't. You just spend a little bit more time thinking about it. And you look at the issue from a different angle. Is there a negative going on? We've had loads of negatives in the church. When Michael comes in in a mood, it's a terrible negative. <laughs> or I come in in a mood. You, you get loads of negatives. How do you turn the negative into a positive? Hmm? How can we see a blockage in our lives and go, well now, what can I do that is right and godly, but I can turn this negative into a positive? Anyway, Solomon was creative. And in the midst of being organized and being creative, it's fair to say that Solomon was just, he was fair, and he was kind. A great ruler will be just or fair and also kind. A great businessman or woman will be just and kind, fair and kind. A really successful politician um, or a leader of a trade union movement or dare I suggest a leader of a church should be both fair and kind. Um, one of the most, one of the businessmen I admired the most is my own brother, Michael. And if you look at his business dealings over the years, he's always been fair and he's been kind. He treats everyone equally with deepest courtesy. That's how you are successful. Some people think, and I remember this in the 80s, you just ride it hard, you be the hot shot, you make a quick buck. I don't believe that. Because what goes around comes around. What you reap, or what you sow, you reap. And it's the same. And so Solomon was playing the long game, to use that expression. He was looking at the long-term picture. And he made sure everyone he was ruling, there was fairness and there was kindness. So he was fair. He didn't 
um, have preference for one district over the other. Twelve districts each had to look after a full month of tax revenue. And he didn't have favourites. He didn't have his pet tribe. Parents don't have a favourite child. Don't. Look what happened to Isaac and, and or Jacob and Esau. Don't have a favourite. We shouldn't have favourites in that way. And Solomon didn't. So the fairness, the kindness, the organisation, the creativity, it's all really one thing. You don't need to pray to be that. You make a decision to be that. And you plan to be that. So that is part of why Solomon made it to the Euphrates River and a lot of the others didn't. If you read on and you look at Solomon's son, Jeroboam, he blew the whole lot. Why? Because he wanted to be the hard man. He wanted to be Mr. Macho Man. He listened to younger advisors who said, tax the people to the hilt. And of course it ended up in the nation being split and divided. Each man to his own tent. It was a disaster. Solomon was wise. He was kind. He was fair. And he didn't fall for that old trick. Here's two more that I really do want to pray for today. Because I think a lot of us are missing out on the destiny and on the potential, not just with our jobs or our education, but with ministry, with our own relational development, with our own personal development. One thing that caused Solomon to really succeed, and he did nothing for this one, was what I'm calling his birthright. When you read about Solomon, we read that Solomon messed up big time. He sinned. He made mistakes. His heart went lukewarm, just like you, just like me. Occasionally Solomon wasn't great. And sometimes he was so poor in his actions or lack of actions that he deserved serious judgment. And he deserved to have his kingdom taken off him. But we're told in 1 Kings 11 chapter 12 when he really messed up and he deserved judgment like you and I have done this is what the Lord said the Lord said to Solomon for the sake of your father David I will not bring this trouble on you during your lifetime Solomon because of his birthright he did nothing about it this is just what he inherited didn't have the trouble. Now you might say, that's okay for Solomon. He was the king's son. Uh-uh, you're wrong. Solomon was not the eldest son. Absalom and Amnon, he had older brothers, but they messed up. It was by default Solomon became king. It really should have been his older brothers. Solomon's mother and father began their lives together with a dirty affair. And God judged them. There was murder involved. Uzziah was murdered. David was covering up his secret affair with Solomon's mother. Solomon's older brother died after childbirth. Such was the judgment of God on this family. Solomon did not start life with a load of advantages. On the contrary. So we, you and I, can't play the victim card and say, you know what, I didn't have a great education, or I was never the best looking, or I had a lot of issues with my family, or whatever. Solomon had a lot of issues. And yet, and yet, because of his father David, because of his birthright, broken man though David was, 
God showed favour on Solomon and kept back the judgment and the hassle in his life. And I want to appeal and challenge you with this scripture. Because what Solomon had, you and I have. We don't deserve it, but we have it. Here's one example of a scripture that speaks into your reality and my reality today. To all those who accept Jesus, he gave the power to become the children of God, the children of God the Father. John 1 and verse 12. You and I are children of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah! You and I are the children of the Creator of the world. Praise God. We are the head. We are not the tail. It's not we've done anything about it. We have accepted. We've called on Jesus. If you can't identify with that, he's only a prayer away. You can pray like I did, like everyone else watching in. Pray and invite Jesus to come into your heart that you would be a son or a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Repent of your sin. Invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. That's what the Bible says. When we do that genuinely, we are children of God. And you and I have a birthright. And that birthright is that we can claim God is our Father. Do you know when I pray very often, I remember reading this as a young Christian. When you go in and, to use the old word, you make supplication to God. And I go in and I pray for things with the Lord. I remember reading as a young Christian that sometimes it's a little bit, it's like going to our Father, but sometimes it's a little bit like going to court. And you would go to court and you would plead before the, the guy in power, the judge, and you would claim exemption from different things. When I go before the Lord, I claim the blood of Jesus upon my head. Because, because of the blood of Jesus, the judgment is not on me. If I repent and if I'm sincere, and I claim the blood of Jesus, and I plead my cause before the Lord, and sometimes, and it's not that God needs to know it, but he wants to see it in our hearts. I will, as it were, quote-unquote, remind the Lord of a certain promise or of a scripture. And I bring that scripture, and it's a bit like a barrister in a court of law, quoting the law so that the person, if you will, on trial, doesn't get judged. And I will quote verses to the Lord and remind the Lord in a humble way. And sometimes, I'm here, I want to be prophetic today, some of you watching in, you're confidence is so low spiritually you are forgetting to come before the Lord in your supplications and claiming your birthright I am a son of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords you are a daughter of the Most High King claim your birthright in our prayers and in our dreams Solomon didn't have to do anything, he just was. Mm -hmm. You and I just needed to call on the Lord so that we would be saved. You want to get to your Euphrates? You want to see your children get to their Euphrates and your children's children? Brothers, sisters, claim your birthright as part of, the, of your armory in moving forward, as part of your ability to go to your river Euphrates, to the distant place that so many have never gone to. Why don't you claim your birthright? Would anyone say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Amen. One more thing, 
And I'm going to pray for this as well, that Solomon had. Some of you will know it already. We know that Solomon had wisdom. Above everyone else, Solomon had wisdom. The interesting thing is, Solomon wasn't born with the wisdom. Solomon just didn't come out of the womb and he was really streetwise and he was really clever and he had a very high IQ and he had a great ability with languages or whatever. No, no. When Solomon was about to become king, the Lord appeared before him and offered him to grant him, if you will, his prayer, his wish, anything he wanted. And instead of asking for long life or great fame or much riches, Solomon didn't do any of that. Solomon didn't claim that. Solomon asked the Lord, Lord, above everything, will you give me wisdom? And we're told in 3 verse 10 that the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom above all else. He asked for wisdom above all else. And God was so pleased. And this is a leak. It's an insight into who Solomon was. He was facing into making decisions and he wanted God's wisdom. And so he asked the Lord for wisdom. And we're told, so God gave Solomon wisdom, great insight, and a deep breath of understanding. When Solomon got wisdom, it wasn't just an intellect. He also got not just IQ, EQ, emotional intelligence. He got the ability to be a good judge of character. He got the ability to read the context. He got the ability to see the bridge beyond the bridge. This was not natural, this was supernatural. As people of faith, as followers of Jesus Christ, is it not reasonable for you and me to pray that we too would have God's wisdom? Isn't it? Do you know what James says? Many of you will know James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously. If your mother or father was a generous parent, now maybe your parents weren't generous, and you needed something legitimate, and you went to your mum or your dad and you said, look, I really need money to buy a book for school, or it's really cold, I need, need a new coat. Now if you had a mean parent, they probably would resist you. But most parents are generous and you know that your father or mother would give you the money for the coat or the book because they're generous. How much more is God generous? Mm -hmm. Do you think it's God's will that you would be wise? Seriously, ask yourself the question. Do you think God's will for your future is that you would have wisdom? Can I declare it is his will? If you're a child of God, God wants you wise. Wise in making your own calls. If you're a parent, wise in making decisions for your children. And if you're a grandparent, in a dis more distant way, for your children's children. So you know what I'm going to pray for today? I'm going to pray that some of us would have the confidence to come before the court of the King of Kings and claim our birthright. Because by claiming our birthright, it enables us to just see God's favour. Stuff that we deserve doesn't happen. And stuff that we don't deserve does happen. Good stuff. And also I'm going to pray for wisdom. Now, we're in a lockdown. 
Praise God, tomorrow's in Ireland, the first day of spring. Law live read, we call it in Irish, St. Bridget's Day. Always the sign of spring. You can actually see the first lambs being born around now, the next week. But we're in a lockdown and it's winter. Can I say this to you? You are in a golden opportunity. We may never have this again in our lives. But you and I are in a golden opportunity. You can't travel too far. Yeah, but you can travel with God great distances. You can't meet an awful lot of people, but you can get to know God in a deeper way. The Bible has a phrase, redeem the time. You and I can redeem the time of the lockdown to explore further with God. You can bring your dreams, your Euphrates River dreams before the Lord. And we can do it, and if it's God's will, he'll show us. And we can search God, and we can seek his face, and we can hear the heartbeat of our Father, and we can do it by claiming our birthright and by asking God for wisdom. So I'm going to pray that in just a moment, and that we do it in this golden opportunity. You might say, golden opportunity, lockdown. It's a golden opportunity. You think this is a surprise to God? This was always part of God's Amen. plan for Amen. your life. Amen. This was always your destiny, Amen. that you wouldn't be able to do a whole load of things so that you would, so that you just watch movies day and night? No, so that you would discover more of God. Amen. And maybe, just maybe, the Lord wants to see that in you before he does start opening up other things. Maybe this is a test from God for all of us. I'm just going to give one prophetic final word before I hand back over to Michael and before I pray. And that's very simply this. I saw people in our church, a whole load of people, and they had a drinking vessel in front of them. And a lot of people were looking into a glass that was literally half empty. And this is where I'm coming about claiming your birthright or even afraid to ask for wisdom. You're looking into your glass that is half empty. You are looking into your life and you're seeing a half empty glass. And God is challenging you today because it says in Psalm 23, my cup runneth over. My cup is overflowing. Surely goodness and mercy will chase me, will pursue me, will follow me all the days of my life. During lockdown, absolutely during lockdown. Above all, during lockdown, God's goodness and mercy will chase you and will chase me. And I feel the Lord is saying prophetically to some people, half empty, I want your cup to overflow. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So will you join me as we pray? For boldness to declare our birthright and pray for wisdom. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, for everyone watching in, live on Facebook, live on Instagram, everyone who'll watch in later on today or tomorrow on Catch Up on Facebook or Catch Up on Instagram, everyone who's looking in on YouTube or listening on to our podcasts, I pray, God, I sincerely cry out to you, Lord that my brothers and sisters would have the confidence to claim their birthright, to claim, as it were, the favour, even as the children of Israel left Egypt, death all around, but no death came to their homes because the angel of death passed over. 
in such a way I pray that we would claim our birthright as we dream and plan and submit to you our future dreams and plans for going further than anyone else has gone. And I equally pray, God, for those of us who naturally may lack IQ, EQ, whatever kind of Q it is, we pray for godly wisdom, Amen. for great insight Amen. for us and for our children and for our children's children. And I pray that we would have a wide breadth of understanding to know what we should do and what we shouldn't do. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and guide us, O God. We commit this into your care and we pray that the reality of both would become evident in our lives as we move into the spring and that we would use what's left of this lockdown to get closer to you. We pray it in Jesus' name and all of the people of God said, Amen.